0: Welcome back to the Bonaventure MS Digital Marketing Show. How's it going, guys? (laughs) My name is Jonathan, and today I want to talk to you about the concept of using proof in your copy and in your marketing messages. So proof is one of the things that I've noticed is the most often, it's either not done at all or done completely wrong. (laughs) So what I want to do today is give you A few rules, I've got 10 in total, that you can use right away on all of your copy to make sure that you're using proof in the right way, so that it's boosting your sales and not being detrimental to your sales. Because if you're presenting proof in a way that's non-believable or in a way that's damaging your relationship with your customers, you're going to find that it's having a huge negative impact, not only now on conversions, but over time, people will stop buying what you're selling if you're not using proof right. So I'm gonna give you some different types of proof that you can use, and then I'll give you five quick fixes that you can use right now. You can just go out and check all of your copy using this five-point checklist to boost your proof and your conversion rates along with it. So when we talk about presenting proof, the first most important aspect to understand is that Well, I call it the yes train. (laughs) It's an old sales concept. I don't know what it's actually called, but I call it the yes train. And the reason why is that when you start presenting an idea, if you can get someone to say, yeah, I know that this is true. Yeah, I know that this is true. 100% that's true. And then you present something that maybe they're 80% sure about, in their mind, they're already getting... They're already in a place where they're saying like, yeah, uh-huh, okay. And they're agreeing with everything that you're saying. So you know how a long form sales page is supposed to be 11 elements if you don't sign up to the email list? <laughs> and you'll receive, uh, you'll receive a video training about that. But the yes train is how you transition from telling stories into then presenting facts about your product. Or ideas that will then lead into you presenting your product that the customer or the prospect won't disagree with because they're already in a mode where they've given you the value of either the benefit of the doubt or they're just completely on board with everything that you're saying which is a nice place to be (laughs) so here I have five types of proof and I'll get into each of them very briefly because they don't need too much of an explanation. The first type of proof, something that I harp on all the time, (laughs) is testimonials. And I've mentioned that testimonials can either be short form written testimonials, you can have a long form written testimonial, you could have a video testimonial, or you could have a photo, just a screen cap of someone sending you like a nice little message in Messenger or in your DMs on Instagram or through text. So those are the few different types of testimonials that I like to use. And if we're going to rank them in order of power, definitely 100% the video testimonial is the best way to do it, without a doubt. Because to read something is one thing, but to see another person saying, Hey, yeah, this thing works and that guy's really legit, that hits us on a deeper level. It builds more trust. By that same notion, if we move into like a screen cap testimonial, I'm not sure where people stand on that too much now. I know that it's still a really good way to do things, but I think that people are becoming more and more skeptical about it because they've realized that someone could just text themselves a message or be like, hey, yo, bro, can you like just write this thing and then I'll reply and then I'll send this thing back and then you send this thing back, right? It's very easy to fake a screenshot testimonial. On that same note, however, it's also easy to fake a written testimonial, and that's why I say that video testimonial is the best way to do it, but if you don't have access to that, just go with screenshot, go with written, it still carries a lot of power. Moving into written testimonials though, there's a very specific way that you should be doing it, and a very specific way that you shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) So a lot of people, when they get a testimonial from their client, it's just something like Yeah, Jenny helped me 10x my income and now I'm so good, right? People think that a testimonial should just be purely benefit-driven. But I find that the best way to do it is by using emotional copy and keeping it very, very colloquial. Because I know that a lot of us have the instinct to edit what we receive from our clients' testimonials. And, like, (laughs) as digital entrepreneurs a lot of time, We just run everything through like a spell check and we correct things grammatically and we make it look as pretty as it can be because it's going up on our webpage. But people trust and people like people who are more honest, genuine, and like them. So if you leave in what phraseology your customer is actually using, the local colloquialisms and any terms of phrase or any like ironically bad (laughs) copy that they've written for you in their testimonial, it will make it better because it doesn't seem like you're the one who wrote this. It makes it seem like you actually just took exactly what a person said, no editing, and you slapped it on. You will probably need to edit just in terms of length because some people can go on for two, three pages, especially the ones who really like you. But um, when you're editing, cut out just the fluff, don't cut out what makes it human, right? And the way that I like to frame a testimonial is to ask the client who I'm working with when I'm asking them for a testimonial, like, hey, can you give me a testimonial that talks a little bit about how you were feeling before we started working together, then what the process was like while we were working together, and where you are now. And you'll see very, (laughs) very bright of you if you caught that, that actually falls very, very specifically into a copywriting framework of getting on the same level as where your prospect's pain is, and then agitating it, starting to present your solution and what the process is like, and then presenting the desired outcome. So that's why, right, it's very copy-driven, it's a very smart way to do it, and that's how you should ask your customers to write testimonials for you or to record their testimonials for you. Now, moving on, we have increasing popularity as another really great way to present proof that your solution works. If you create a solution and one person buys it over one year. (laughs) That is not something you should brag about because then everyone who sees it is gonna say, Why didn't more people buy it? That thing must suck, right? (laughs) But here we're harping very strongly on social proof, where we can say, let's say you're trying to get someone to sign up for your email list. You can say, join 1 million other subscribers in receiving my content daily, right? That's a huge social proof boost because you're saying there are a million people, obviously it's worth something. If you're selling a product and you can say, in the last year, 25,000 people have bought this thing that's immense social proof because people wouldn't be buying it if it wasn't valuable So that's how you can use that Expert approval is another form of social proof, but it's borrowed authority which is I Guess it's like a subsection of social proof because it operates on the same dynamic people think um, Let's say you were to get an endorsement. Let's say I John Maxwell. (laughs) Just looking at my bookshelf now, I've got the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. So let's say I design a leadership course aimed at high-level CEOs. And then I can get John Maxwell to give me a testimonial or to sign off on it or to say something like, Jonathan, he's a really smart guy. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And his leadership course is one of the best I've ever seen. That carries so much proof because everybody like almost everybody I should say who is looking for a leadership solution has probably read that John C. Maxwell book, right? So if I can get someone who's a big name in the industry that I'm working in to say that my thing is really good, that is going to give other people a sense of comfort and safety in trusting that the claims I'm making are true because it wouldn't have slipped by this other person who they admire so much and who they give so much credit to For doing the things that they've been trying to do that was a very poor way of phrasing it (laughs) moving on though number four is awards awards works in the same way as borrowed authority and awards essentially is I can help you because I have gotten this high-level achievement that goes out to people who are the best in the industry if I'm a personal trainer and I've won actually scratch that click funnels so ClickFunnels does a really good job at this and they've got kind of like that cult mindset of making people want to be part of the what is it two comma club and <laughs> so people buy ClickFunnels. they work harder just to get up on that stage to be presented with that plaque but at the same time that's a great way for them to show to their clients and prospects that they know what they're talking about that's why you'll see um really just I guess everyone who's successful on ClickFunnels, I see it a lot, like Digital Distillery, Blue Hair Dave, these are just names that come to mind while I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed of people who their photo of their ad is them holding their plaque that says, yeah, I sold a lot of this stuff using ClickFunnels, $1 million club, right? So what that's saying is my product is good enough for $1 million worth of sales. So it should be good enough for you because again social proof if all these people bought it and they trust it then you should probably trust it too and that's a deep psychological trigger actually it goes into if we want to look at evolutionary psychology and we go back to caveman days we lived in tribes of like let's say you're in a tribe of 50 people you don't necessarily have the opportunity to check everything yourself to make sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing right so our brains evolved in such a way that if we see other people liking something we say those people are exactly like us and they like it that means it's safe and it's good for me or if you see that same group of people who absolutely despise something your brain has evolved to tell you these people who are exactly like me they hate that thing therefore i should not engage with it and our brains haven't evolved since that point. This is really just like a super tribal and super deeply embedded mentality. So that's why social proof works, and that's why borrowed authority and awards and increased profits, that's why all of those things work. Because we're telling ourselves all these people who are like us say that this thing is good, therefore it must be good, I don't need to check it. Last is test evidence, which strays a little bit out of the other four, which are really more social proof than anything else. But test evidence is I can only think of it really being applicable, not so much to coaching, but more to weight loss. If a new diet were to come out and you could say that scientists (laughs) going back to the very, very overused headline example, Stanford scientists find new secret method for losing 10 pounds in five days. Right if we were to be able to say that there is research that backs up the technique that we're using, people trust that because people trust science. Science is another form of borrowed authority, right? And there's always data and there's always something that they can go search on their own. So if I'm making a claim about a scientific fact and someone goes on to Google and they write in my claim, they'll be able to find it instantly, which boosts your trust and it boosts your credibility. So those are the five ways in which you can offer proof during your copy. I'm not gonna say don't use all of them, but really you can massage the way that you're presenting them to fit in line with the type of your cop, with (laughs) my bad, the type of copy that you're doing. So if you're doing a very story based presentation in your copy, you can use social proof, or I guess you can use a testimonial as saying, um your sub headline could be like 64 year old woman now travels the world and surfs professionally thanks to this system and then you talk about your system that helps people make money online with no work on their part right but you present it as this woman's story where this is where she used to be This is what happened when she was going through your program, and this is where she is now, right? You can do the same thing with awards. You can say, when I started out, I had no idea what I was doing, and I had to figure it out on my own. And then I taught one person, and they succeeded, and I taught another person, and they succeeded. And over time, with all of this success and with all of these people that I was teaching, now I'm a member of the Two Comma Club with ClickFunnels. I've sold over a million dollars of this product. That's how effective it is, right? So you can always change them up a little bit and massage them just to fit into specifically the type of copy that you're producing. Now, moving into a five-point checklist that you can use for your existing sales pages that will definitely, I have no doubt, boost the results that you're getting because these are just ways to make sure that you're presenting proof in the best possible way. So number one, the first thing that you can do is ask yourself, do my statements sound true? And that is, (laughs) I know that's a little bit more theoretical, but that is a really, really powerful thing to do because if you're presenting a bunch of big claims, even if all of them are true and you know that all of them are true, your prospect doesn't. They're just a random person who saw an ad on Facebook who got into your ecosystem and now they're on a sales page. If you're saying something that they don't believe is possible, they don't care if it's true or not. Their own belief of what is or what exists and what doesn't exist is going to 100% override your beliefs, right? You're not writing your copy for you. You're writing your copy for them. So even if you have to downplay how good your thing is, don't worry about it. Just present everything as believably as you can, more than just hyping it up to be the best thing ever. If you've had 100 students in your program, one of them has made a billion dollars and the rest have made ten thousand dollars per month, don't say you can be like Jimmy who made a billion dollars say you can be like 99 people who are making 10,000 a month now, right? Big claim might be based in fact, but not super believable. The other one is a smaller claim, but you have so much evidence and people are willing to believe that it's possible for them at certain stages of their awareness and their intent, right? That it makes it A lot more I'm gonna say powerful again (laughs) my vocabulary is garbage I'm a little bit tired today so I apologize for that but it's gonna make it more believable and your results are gonna be better moving on to number two did I include damaging omissions this is something that I actually learned from Dan Kennedy shout out to my boy (laughs) RIP Dan Kennedy is one of the greatest copywriters of all time and in his book the no BS sales letter or No, sorry, the ultimate sales letter, (laughs) part of the No BS series. Um, He talks about a concept called damaging omissions copy. And this isn't a concept that he created, but it's a concept that is really powerful. And oh my God, (laughs) there I go again. Um, It's a concept that holds a lot of strength (laughs) inside of copy. And it's one that very few people do. The reason why is that we believe as marketers that when we present something that's bad about our product or about our service, it's gonna make people want it less. And there is some truth to that. If you only say the bad things about yourself, you are, (laughs) you're not writing copy. You're just writing a list of 10 reasons why you suck and people shouldn't buy your thing. But the damaging omissions copy is something different. Damaging omissions copy is when you say, Like, yeah, my stuff is really good, but here's what it can't do. Or my stuff is good, but it's not the best, and that's why I'm willing to work so hard. There was a series of ads by Avis. I don't know what year they were published in, but Avis is a car rental company. And for a long time, they were number two, they weren't number one. And they published a series of ads that said something along the lines of Avis were number 2 that's why we have to try so hard to make your experience the best right and <laughs> that is such an amazing reframe because they took the fact that they are runners up and they presented they presented that as the reason why you should go with them so damaging omissions copy is kind of like that where you could say i I am really good i can get you results but if you're looking for an overnight success system i can't do that for you if you're looking for a get rich quick scheme i can't provide that if you're on your last few dollars you should not be investing with me because the results are going to come slow they're going to be inconsistent at first but let me tell you after four or five months of working together you're going to see that i've been able to 2, 3, maybe even 4x while you're generating now. I just need you to know that it's going to take us time to get there. And the reason why is that I am, above all else, dedicated to research, producing things that align with your brand, and creating a sustainable system. None of those things can be done quickly. So if that's what you're looking for, head over to Upwork and hire a copywriter there. But if you're looking for someone with integrity, someone who values your voice and your business, and someone who's willing to work with you in the long term, then that's what I'm here for. Right? See? (laughs) Pat on the back. Um, That's how you can frame the stuff that you can't do, and the stuff that otherwise you might have felt ashamed about, as stuff that's actually beneficial for your prospect. So a way that you can do this is just make out a list of all the stuff that you feel your prospects expect of you, that you would be, you would feel bad about telling them no to, right? Like when we're all, when we're all beginning in our businesses, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of telling everybody, yes, I can do this thing for you. Yes, I can do this thing for you. Yes, I can do this thing for you. Because in our minds, one, we're struggling for income, which means that we're at a place where we really just need to take any job and we're willing to take any job no matter how bad it is. But two. It makes it so that, or at least we believe, it makes it so that the client is more willing to take us. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes that's not. Right? If you're in a place where you're struggling to get clients right now, as much as I hate to say this, yes, take every job that you can. You've got to eat, you've got to pay your rent. But when you get to a place where you're a coach, who's got maybe three or four consistent clients all paying you $1,000 a month, and you're looking to upgrade it from there, stop telling everyone that you're a holistic life coach and start telling everyone specifically what you do and specifically what you don't. And every time someone asks you for something that you don't do, tell them why it's better that you don't do that. Keep that in mind. Number three, was I extremely specific? Specificity, is really powerful because it takes something like a claim of. <laughs> I just realized I said powerful again. I am the worst. I'm so sorry for that. Um, specificity is really great because it takes a claim like, um, let's say I've worked with over 10,000 entrepreneurs to I've worked with 11,512 entrepreneurs. It makes it a lot more believable it seems like one you have an actual idea of what your stats are and what your data is inside of your business but two um, it makes people believe I'm not sure what it is I'll just call it a psychological hack (laughs) it's like the reason why I guess it revolves around perfection people don't want to believe that Your numbers are round and your numbers are perfect. They want to believe that you're like, to be genuine, you need to be a little bit rough around the edges. So if some guy comes in and he's super suave and he tells you we'll make a million dollars, or you've got a guy who comes in, he makes a bad joke every once in a while and he tells you we'll probably be able to get to 847,000. The guy who says 847,000 is a lot more believable because it seems like he's not pumping his numbers up and it seems like he actually knows what's going on, right? It's like, um, antibacterial wipes that say eliminate 99.9% of bacteria versus if a bacterial wipe said eliminate 100% of bacteria and our minds were like, there's no way that you can eliminate 100% of bacteria. That's not true. And the other guys were like, okay, 99.9. If that guy's saying 99.9 and that guy's saying a hundred, the other guy's probably just making something up. He's probably just trying to boost himself, right? So rough numbers exact specificity these are the kinds of things that intrigue people and they keep people's attention because it gives you more credibility number four did i include photos this i guess that this relates a little bit to what i was saying earlier with the testimonial screenshots in the videos but did i include photos is more like as opposed to drawings or graphs right like if you can Um, You see this a lot in the making money online niche. You see people who take screenshots of their computer with either their Facebook ads numbers, or you see them with numbers from their Stripe account, or their PayPal account, or from their bank account, and that is just... It's a lot more believable. I know that you can doctor photos and Photoshop exists like I can just go (laughs) if I go into my bank account right now let's say I've got like $10,000 I can put three more zeros there and it can look like I have 10 million dollars. That wouldn't be something very hard for me to do, right? But people want to believe, especially if you've presented yourself as someone who's honest and genuine, that you are not doing that. They want to believe that you're presenting the truth. And for someone to see the results as opposed to someone reading about the results, it makes it a lot more believable, it gets them a lot more emotionally invested. So if you're making a claim and you can include a photo to back it up, definitely do that. You'll see a great boost in your conversions from that. Lastly, did I use why justification? So this is going to go back a little bit on what I said about making a really huge claim. You can make a really huge claim, something super unbelievable. Let's say going back to the one billionaire student example, if you've had a hundred billionaire students, and you say, I can make you a billion dollars in three years. I have 100 people who did that. And then you go on to say, this is the exact system they used. Here's what, here what their annual growth, or I guess their quarterly growth looked like. And here are a bunch of videos of them explaining what happened for them to reach that level. You will, I have no doubt in my mind. You will convince people who otherwise could not have been convinced. Because it's one thing for you to say, I can do this for you, it's another thing entirely for you to say, I can do this for you, here's how I can do it for you, right? All of this really goes back to, just to sum it all up, show people that you can help them and present proof that you can help them, right? That's what proof is. Proof is just backing up the claims that you've made with evidence, with data, with numbers, with statistics. So on that, my throat's getting a little sore. I apologize for the low energy of this video and for the raspiness in my voice. But on that, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna wish you an amazing day. If you have any questions on this whatsoever, or if you want me to look at your copy and do a live critique like on video or something, (laughs) that's something I've been thinking of doing a lot lately. So if you want to be a part of that launch, a part of that project, leave a comment, send me a direct message. I would be more than happy to help you out. Otherwise, I hope you can take this and run with it. I wish you an amazing day and I hope to see you again soon.